Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Serving Aces. I'm Alexander Stevenson, and I am here with Oog Levadier, my lovely co host. Welcome, Oogie, and Happy New Year. We are back in 2024. That's right, a brand new year for us and our listeners. Happy New Year to you, Alexandra, and your mom. I uh, hope everything, you know, 2024 is going to be a great success year for you, of course, and, you know, keep healthy and everything. So, yep, great Happy New Year to you. Yeah, well, exciting stuff. Um, 2024, it's always nice to start fresh, remember what happened the year before, and then bring more prosperity to the new year. And so, I have a question for you, Ugi. Do you do New Year's resolutions or do you do goals for the year? I know we talked about this a little bit before we ended the podcast in 2023. So I want to know if you do you do both? Well, I know you do goals. Yeah, I do goals. And that's about it because resolutions, then sometimes you might drop them. You know, you kind of fail. Yeah. Think about exactly. it. You know, a lot of people do them for like fitness and suddenly like after two months or even less than it's done. Um, yeah, so we just, you know, we're athletes. You keep with the goals. Yeah, I prefer goals for sure because, yeah, you know, it, it sounds more solid and then you have more, you know, drive into those. So, yeah, definitely goals. What about you? All right. Yep, I, I've got some goals. I set some goals and then I always, the goals always evolve throughout the months, right? And you set <laughs> a right. goal and then you accomplish it or you set one and then you don't accomplish it. I had to I did take off some of the goals I set for last year. I had to cross them off because mm -hmm. they didn't happen. But that's okay because maybe they'll happen and I carry them over for this year. Of right? course. Yeah. So you assess and it's ever changing because that's what it's exciting to have life happen and that's what each year is for, right? Exactly. And suddenly you have some goals and suddenly whoop, your situation changes and then you have to adapt and vary them and uh, yeah just so it's all good you know as, as long as you have some goals then you can always you know you know backtrack or yeah, go sideways and you have direction. i think it's really important that everybody starts off january with a good direction which is mm -hmm. going to be my segue now into we know the tennis tours direction right now it is in australia mm -hmm, down under so we have the first week of tournaments that just wrapped up we had some winners in Brisbane. We had Rabakina and Dimitrov. Rabakina mm -hmm. pretty much killed Sabalenka 0-3. Took wow. her to the woodshed there, Ugi. Jeez. And then Dimitrov, it was a little closer, 7-6-6-4, took out Runa mm -hmm. with a good win. Nice, nice solid start for Grigor. That was, yeah. it was a very good tournament for him. You're right. What about Nadal's comeback at that tournament, huh? Yes. Well, Nadal, it was so exciting to see him come back. He lost a tough match against Jordan Thompson. He yep. beat another Aussie, young Aussie coming up. Mm -hmm. And he looked pretty good. And then I think he has a slight hip muscle tear where he got his surgery done. Tore it's... it a little bit. And now he has to yep. pull out of the Australian Open. That's it. It just, you know, it came down, you know, today with the news. So, that's a huge loss for for everybody. I mean, we all want to see Nadal against Djokovic. I mean, as, as soon as we can, of course. But that's gonna have to wait. You know, he's got this unfortunately this this hip situation that he has to take care of because it's it's came back again. So 
yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, fingers crossed, you know, because you never know with these injuries. Whenever you're injured and then you get re-injured at the same place, it could take longer. I mean, I hope not, but he's, he said he's, he's going to focus his comeback on Clay and Rolla Garras, yeah, which I is very smart. Look, he came back very quickly from his surgeries yep. of six months, maybe mm -hmm. eight months. Um, that's pretty fast. And then it shows you the level of tennis that you have to be at and that he was playing at not at quite at his highest level, but mm -hmm. he was playing a pretty high level from the get-go. I mean, he looked pretty sharp for somebody not having played matches. And then it just shows you what it takes for your body. And yep. just a little tear, look, he's not going to be uh, looking like, oh, I got to play Australia. He's going to say, no, I'm not going to play. And mm -hmm. he's going to back out right away because he, like you said, looking forward to the French and maybe that's going to be the last of his legacy. I mean, he has a statue there. It's the most he's won there. It's so huge. if you're Nadal, you're going to say, okay, I'm going home and looking forward to the clay season. Yeah, and think about it. I mean, it's real smart for him to do that for many reasons. First of all, he's the king of clay. And second of all, his body can take more, you know, uh, movement and tennis in, on clay because on hard courts you have to stop and change change ways and you know change direction it's so hard for your body legs hips so it makes sense for him to just say okay yeah, the clay for him and clay quarters are much it's much easier to play on i mean for somebody like me i would say the hard court is easier but yeah. for somebody like nadal the softness the sliding his knowledge of the clay is way better than a hard court Oh, for sure. So it it makes total sense. And to me, I was a little bit surprised even that he would be in Australia right now because, you know, it's really quick uh, comeback. You know, you have to make sure you're tournament fit, you know, tournament ready, your body, your mind, everything. But obviously he felt like he was okay. But, uh, you know, hopefully it's not a big setback for, for him and us watching him. Yeah, and I, I like to see him back. I watched uh, two of his opening matches, and it's just fun to see him back on the court. So hopefully we see him sooner rather than later. And I, I have to go off of Nadal. Kyrgios has been making some news on Twitter, or now it's called X, yeah. and he just can't help it. And I love him because he always has something to say, and usually people just get so mad at him. Okay, now this part, I'm going to tell you the first tweet from Curious. Okay, okay go ahead. So go the ahead. first tweet was when Demonar beat Djokovic. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Demonar beat, Sir, I mean, Australia is playing Serbia in the United Cup. We also have the United Cup that just ended. Germany beat Poland, and they pulled out a tough one against Australia in the semis wow. and then pulled out a mixed doubles match. Zverev Sigaman beat Sviantek Kerkoc in the mixed doubles in the finals to win it. Wow, that's so a big upset for me. I mean, yeah, I thought Poland upset. was going to take that because, you know, Sviantek is a dominant female player. So you figure, and Kerkoc is so good. So you'd figure they win, but no, Germany yeah, just. Hey, and Zverev came back, uh, saved some match points. Kerber wow. came back against Isla Tomlanovic in, mm. uh, against Australia, and Kerber just kind of looked up and down i mean it's nice she's back too yeah. right we've got mm -hmm. she had her baby she's now back and healthy and playing but good old nick curios after demonor what do you say novak djokovic <laughs> he like you know he's kind of congratulating look alex is his compatriot right he's For sure. a former Compadre, australian yes. mm -hmm. okay so 
he goes right into the balls, the ball discussion. Okay, so the balls on the tour, the ATP tour, the WTA tour, both tours, both men and women have complained about the balls. Okay, mm -hmm. the women more extra duty versus regular duty. The men are complaining about the type of the ball. There's a Dunlop ball that is very heavy. I've played with it. It's like a brick. Yeah. And then they have the head ball and then mm -hmm. they have the Wilson ball and they have a diadem ball. There's just different balls yeah. every week. Mm -hmm. And it kind of sounds funny, different balls every week, but it's a yeah, fact. Yeah. It okay, is. So when you hit the tennis ball, the impact goes through your hand and your wrist and your shoulder. So mm -hmm. it really does matter what kind of ball you have. It also matters the change of balls. So on the tour at the highest level, it's seven and nine. Mm -hmm. In the challenger level, it's nine and 11. Yeah. In the lower ITF circuit level, sometimes they do 11 and 13 games. So mm -hmm. seven and nine games, nine and 11 games, 11 and 13 games. 11 and 13 games is absurd. That should be out the window, right? It's true. I petitioned for that in Australia when I went over there and played challengers and they were changing at 11 and 13. So basically if you win six Oh six Oh, you don't get new balls. It's crazy. Crazy. Right. <laughs> okay. So they actually listened and Craig Tiley and the Australian Federation changed the rule to nine and 11 because I got a petition going between the women players and we all asked for it. So they did wow. listen. Good so job. good old Nick Curios, thank you, is saying, look, Novak Djokovic's arm has been hurting him. We really got to get this tennis ball situation settled. Like, we yeah. need one ball for every week. Well, he did it on Twitter. And I shy away from Twitter. I have an account that's like I barely – I don't even know how to use it. I did it for this podcast mm -hmm. called Alexander Aces. I have like two followers probably. But I'm trying to learn. I'm way behind. But Twitter is a little scary, or I should be calling it X now. Mm -hmm. Look, it's having an identity crisis anyway. But Nick Curious, back to what he said. Yep. He is correct. Okay. But was it the right time after Demonor just had the win of his life to beat Novak Djokovic? Probably not. Yeah, but, but if you're Nick Curious and you're not playing, wouldn't you want to say something that might rile people up? Yep. Right? He's got, he's got, yeah, for sure. You know, the guy has a point. I have to say, he is correct. So all those <laughs> people that are hating on him, you guys need to go research and see how many different tennis balls that professionals have to use. And it really does matter and make a difference. It's crazy. It's crazy because you've got the surface as well. So let's say you play on clay. You know, clay mm -hmm. is going to get into the ball, so it's going to be heavier even, and then moisture maybe on the grass a little bit. So you've got all these components getting into the, you know, and the, the structure weather, of the ball. You have the conditions yeah. of the air, the weather. So the Australian Open, the ball is great. I love that ball. I hope yeah. they never change it. It's a Wilson ball. It's, it's AO. They use mm -hmm. AO as on the thing. So, you know, it's, and it's by Wilson yeah. and it's like, this fast. It doesn't get too fluffy. Yeah, it's crisp. It's That's it. not too heavy. It's mm -hmm. like the perfect ball. That's yeah. one of my favorite balls that they have, but obviously at United cup, they weren't playing with it. Yeah. I it's don't know, but I, I just know Nick Curious was like, Djokovic can't handle the balls. Now, Djokovic obviously didn't say anything, but 
Yeah. Y- you gotta love Nick Curios for stating yeah. facts and then getting hate for it. Hey, Curios is awesome, you know, whenever he's like that, because when he's cracking rackets on the court, then I can't agree with that. But when he's off court, he's telling his mind, he's saying what's on it. I mean, a lot of times he's really smart about com- his comments. Exactly. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. He's genuine, comes out right. A lot of times he said some things I'll get into maybe next week that I didn't agree with. But this week I agree with him. Mm -hmm. And then he followed up with Nadal's pulling out of Australian Open. And he said, oh, I'm so sorry. Look, I'm glad you did it. I had to do the same thing. My wrist isn't healthy enough. You know, whatever he said, once again, he got more hate. So it's twice in a week, Oogie. He's like killing it on Twitter. <laughs> so he's probably relishing it. People are like, you're making it all about you. And really, I feel like Nick was trying to have empathy towards mm-hmm. Nadal. Like exactly. Say, yeah. yeah, I feel bad for you. Sorry you had to pull out because I had to do the same. There's That's nothing right. wrong with that. He's not trying to outshine Nadal. Uh-uh. He's just feeling it because he was he, he went through the same thing and that's why he's still not playing because yeah. he's hurt and yeah, he knows exactly he'd love to be out there so come on so he's he's just speaking his mind and and it's really refreshing it's awesome I mean I like these comments I like I like that so uh, yeah but then think about the all the getting back to the ball situation think about all these sponsors in different countries for different balls that's why they have different balls right because yeah, exactly. different companies and different areas of the world are more dominant so then they get more money out there to be sponsoring the tournament mm-hmm. and so if you get to one ball the whole tour then how do you you know how do you make make up with that so that's the question the question is get one commissioner and have one tour and one ball that's the answer and I'm going to go back to what I've said a couple other podcasts. We need one tour with a whole lot of change because right now it's like the wild, wild west of the world. Mm-hmm. What you just said, different tournaments, they all have different balls. They all have different avenues of sponsorship. But if you get yeah. one tour together and you build it right, then it's like the field of dreams they will come right yep. although they're yep. live they're alive so they're not dead <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what dead. word on the tennis street is craig tiley yep it's not really word on the tennis street because matt futterman did a new york times article on it over christmas time mm-hmm. about during wimbledon was the showdown of a couple tournament directors getting together and trying to figure out how to make one tour because the Saudis want to come in. Mm. So the next couple of months are going to be interesting to see if anybody can figure this out because it's a lot to go on. You have the ITF, you have the Grand Slams, you have the ATP, you have the WTA, mm-hmm. and then you have all the other people. So You're right. How are they going to do this? And then all these other people are all making money off of all these tournaments. You're right. So it's going to be, we might have to do a deep dive podcast on that topic. We should, and we will probably, trust me, because there's, you, you named them. I mean, there's four big entities that are involved in two professional tennis and amateur, but especially a professional tennis we're talking about. And how can they get, you know, get along on the same page? And how can that be possible? That's going to be really interesting to see. And in 2024, I think that's, this is going to be the year that something's going to happen. So you're, you're totally well, I right. I think it needs to. And obviously, the players have a more of a voice now. There's social media. There's 
all kinds of avenues for players to speak up and for mm -hmm. it to be magnified and to be shown more. I mean, in the past, everybody knew this, but it wasn't being shown around the world what a problem the system and the tournaments are and getting players to play each week to yeah. make a living or the top players make more, you know, that you could just go on and on. So yeah. I think, you know, a reckoning could be coming, Oogie. I know. And you're going to be a part of it. You know, we're going to do we, <laughs> I don't know about that. We're going to talk about it. Outlier, but I, we, I we can talk about it. We can talk about it, but I think somebody like you would be, would be in great position to do, you know, a lot of, a lot for that situation. You know, you've been there. Thanks, you're awesome. So yeah, we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, right, there's well, things coming. I gotta, we'll wrap it up on this subject, but I have, I found his quote, which is so Nick curious. I love it. Okay. So this is what he said. Okay, for the noobs that think I'm taking credit away from Alex are just plain dumb. Demon is a hell of a player and deserves every success that comes his way. Also, for the people who think balls aren't a big enough factor to result in an athlete being hurt are potatoes. The load through a player's elbow wrist over this vigorous season is enormous. <laughs> That's awesome so, quote. His delivery is like, yeah, you're you guys are dodos. Like, come at me. Maybe he could have had a better delivery, but you know what? That's what makes Nick curious. Nick curious. Yeah, exactly. It just came out, and he didn't swear anything, so that's kind of cool. You know, he yeah, kind of held just it. Called him potatoes. potatoes and, and noobs. The noobs are there. And noobs. Very Aussie, I guess. Man, that's awesome. But yeah, the yeah. balls is it's it's crazy. You know, you had a big injury for your shoulder and it ended up your career. So Well, yeah, who, the who balls knows? didn't help that. The racket that, didn't I, help. It's, I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah, the, balls the racket have, and the balls. So balls it, it was a factor, yeah. It, you're right. It fact, people, balls matter. In every sense <laughs> of the word, Oogie. <laughs> All right. That's the that's the quote of the night for me. <laughs> balls matter. Balls matter. <laughs> All right. So today in Australia is the first day of the Australian Open qualifying, Oogie. That's awesome. There it is. Here yeah, we are. We, we've got some. We've got some um, ringers in there. I was looking it up earlier, and sometimes it's hard to take keep track of because it's so big. But there's a couple couple players that I was looking at, and look, Matt uh, Cressy. He's in uh -huh. it, Max Cressy. Max and Cressy, yeah. Yes. Um, Michael Moe, the American. Ooh. He could nice. make a run. He likes those hard courts. Oh, yeah. He's got a big and, uncle game. A um, couple young Americans that I saw, a couple Brits in there. And, and then Brandon Nakashima, he's lost points. So he's in qualifying at the Australian Open. Mm. He was top 40 last couple years. Mm -hmm. Dennis yep. Kudla, he's, he can make a run. So that's going to be interesting. A uh, couple of the women's side I was looking at yep. that I thought was um, the uh, Yastremska, the one that got off for her drug incident. Ukrainian. So she's back. Yep. Uh, but she's the number one seed in qualies. Jamie Flores is a good Australian. She could sneak through and get a couple rounds in the main draw because she likes those courts. Mm -hmm. She's a good slice. You got the Canadian Carol Zhao. Yeah, Carol Zhao. Yeah, she could make a run through qualies. 
Let's see. Who else did I see that was... Oh, Elizabeth Manlick. Hannah Manlikova's daughter. Ooh. Young American. She's been qualifying into tournaments all of last year. She's the eighth seed. She could. She has a good, solid game. She's not big, but she is an all-court player. She could make go. a run. You know, she could qualify in. Haley Baptiste. Mm-hmm. Black American. She's athletic, likes to come in to the net. The courts, she should like the courts. Yep. Kind of look uh, out for Heather game. Watson. Heather yep. Watson is in qualies. The Brit. forever Brit that is always playing. <laughs> you always <laughs> see her at Wimbledon, right? That's and right. then she just keeps her points and gets into Wimbledon. So yeah. but she you know, she's a she's a solid nothing special, but she's just solid and doesn't she's get injured. Player. Yeah, for sure. So the qualies are something to look at. There's always somebody or two people that can sneak into qualies, as we know, Oogie. Mm-hmm. And some and young guns. Yeah, and qualifying makes you tough. So You've got Andriva in the qualies as well, number five seed. Yeah, the sister, Erica. Yep. So yep. Her sister's in there. So. Yeah, so her sister's in there. So uh, Australia is interesting because it's the beginning of the year. You don't know who's really fit, as we saw with Nadal. He came in, he felt pretty fit, but he got a little injury. You can get easily injured early in the season because you've mm -hmm. had maybe six weeks off. Maybe you've had only four weeks off. Yeah. And it depends how your body handles it. It's a hard court. It's hot. You're going from cold, if you're in Europe or America, to 90 degrees plus. You're going into summer. You're going from winter to summer so warm it's it's a, just a change of a season so a lot of players love going to australia a lot of players have to build into going into australia you're right so it's uh it's always going to be exciting to watch that first week to see who gets through and uh look oh i forgot to mention coco goff won her second tournament in auckland she's won that now twice in a row wow she went three sets with Svitolina, who oh, yeah, battled through the draw. Yeah, she dropped the first set in a tie break. She had some chances, and she pulled it together. It got her served down and won 6-3, six, 6-3. Three, six, three. The interesting thing I noticed, Ugi, was look, Goff looked solid. She looked stronger. Mm -hmm. And Svitolina looked good, but it was so interesting to watch Svitolina because we know she's, like, a good defender, Yep. And then doesn't really have an amazing, like, super shot, but she does everything really well, mm -hmm. and she plays smart. But then against Goff, she was going, like, to her forehand super hard and then even harder and then really ridiculously hard and missing the shot. And I was going, this was the second and third set, and I'm like, who's telling her to do this? That's like, crazy, huh? Just, like, be patient. And it's so funny because Svitolina – is usually patient. You're but right. She got very impatient and was making stupid errors on her forehand. Mm. And I feel like because Goff is now more confident after winning the Grand Slam, and she just will sit on her forehand and get it back now, and she's not panicking. You're right. She just so kept her composure. Changes yeah. her game level, right? If you're playing Goff, who's so fast and now isn't worried about her forehand with somebody like Svitolina, I mean, maybe if she plays Sabalenka and Rabakino has a little more power, she might mm -hmm. be a little more worried. You never know, maybe not. But I thought that was an interesting little tactic that got Svitolina in the end, really, because she just mm -hmm. kept making those 
kind of errors that you were like, why don't you just go high heavy back instead of trying to rip it at she a bad a angle? She got impatient. You know, she was yeah. up. Even even when you're up, then you're like, okay, let, let, I have to finish this match. And so she went a little impatient. She made a couple of mistakes. Gov didn't panic. She was confident. She's like, okay, I'm just going to keep on playing my game. And yep. she's giving me something. Suddenly she's impatient. So she felt that. She just kept on going and she won those two sets. Yeah, which Good. is why now I gave you the best segue, Oogie, because I kind of know the topic we're discussing. But now the ball is in your court. Oogie, it's your serve. So tell me what we're going to discuss tonight and how Svitolina could have played a little better. You're totally right because in um, in my segment tonight, I'd like to um, to talk a little bit about you know exactly like you said. You know, sometimes we focus a lot on our game whenever we're playing. You know, in practice and in tournaments even, and like okay, I'm not playing well today, or this shot is not working, and then you get frustrated a little bit. But a lot of times when that happens, you just have to look on the uh, the other side of the net and see who you're playing and see where their strengths and especially their weaknesses are. And I think that's that's something even in my even when I'm playing tournaments, I'm not even doing that enough, which I'm trying to focus on it, but I'm not even doing it enough because you're playing against somebody and let's say I'm not playing good or I am playing good, then focus on the opponent because they're going to give you the answers you need to win, you know, most of the times because they have favorite patterns and they have especially weaknesses, then you have to exploit them. So you have to look first point straight, straight off the bat when you're warming up you have to look at the opponent. Okay, what can you tell? If they're left-hander or right-hander. Uh, if they have a one-hander backhand or two-hander backhand. Because that's going to tell you a lot. Let's say you're playing a left-hander. Okay, now you know that that slight serve on the ad side is going to come to your backhand. And that changes everything. You know, you can't go running around a lot on those returns. And you have to make more backhand and even cross-court a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and then if they have a one-hander versus two-hander backhand, then... You need to know, okay, if they have a one-hander, then I can play a little bit higher today. Because when you have a one-hander, you can't attack these balls when they're really high. Okay? But yeah, but wait, I'm going to tell you something on that, because this is so funny you said one-hander. Okay, so I've had my backhand attacked many times, right? Go a little yeah. higher. Yeah, but that's the trap, right, Oogie? So my little student played a girl with a one-handed backhand, mm -hmm. and I specifically said in my text to her, just because she has a one-hander doesn't mean it's weak. Of so course. don't go after it fully and uh -huh. get sucked in, right? Mm -hmm. So when you see a one-hander, a lot of times is oh, it's so weak, I'm just going to pound it in. And then you get in trouble because the one-hander actually is more consistent and you can slice and you can mix it up and you can run around your backhand to hit those high balls as a forehand. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's why I said high balls to the backhand because I didn't say normal balls to the backhand because if you hit it yeah. to the strike zone of the one-hander, like towards the waist area, then they're going to groove it. But yeah. if you hit really high and spinny, top spin ball to the back end one hander then you force them to probably slice it a little bit more and yeah. but of course when whenever we work together you we worked at trying to hit on the rise a little bit more whenever those girls would hit high to you you would step in the court and hit on the rise so yeah. it was not a weakness for you of course but in junior tournaments or even sometimes older yeah. then I mean, you gotta have a good slice too exactly so you need to you need to find that out in the warm-up. That's exactly my point. So find out if, if they have a one-hander. Are they a really good slicer? Are they rather... Because a lot of times whenever you have a one-hander, 
naturally you prefer either slice or topspin. You know, mm -hmm. let's say yeah. Stan, Stan Wawrinka, he loves the topspin, that one-hander. His slice is kind of weak. He just puts yeah. it back in without like much slice in it. He just push it like that, you know, flat yeah. a little bit even. But then Federer, oof, he's got both. So that's not a good example. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, like Gasquet, you know, he's got a great topspin backhand. His slice yeah. is a little bit weaker. But a lot of times the one-hander, they love to slice. And so you need to take that into consideration because if if that one-hander slice is really good and my slice is not that great, I'm not going to go to that side too much today because yeah. it's going to be in their advantage. So that's all information you need to have like within the first few games of the match. So you take the first three, four games of the match, the first set to analyze, and then you have your really good game plan. You can focus on that and you can adjust that game plan in the later first set, but it's all information that you need to have at the beginning of the match. So yeah, you need to important. focus on the opponent. Yeah, because I think you have, you have you what you want to accomplish with your game on the court, right? And then if you know your opponent, mm -hmm. you obviously have what you're gonna attack with them, right? Like when we go over our game plan, if we knew the opponent, we'd write it down. If we didn't, you always were like the first three games you got to figure out, and mm -hmm. even in the warm up, you figure it out. You can yep. see which way they like to lean or you watch, one of the things I like to do is watch after their serve where they recover to. Mm. And most of the women would recover into their forehand side to look for a backhand. Wow. I remember Megan Shaughnessy used to do that all the time. She used to serve and like go so far over. To her right, wow. And then she to would be like, oh, yeah, off court. Wozniacki does that too. It Kinda sometimes does that. She doesn't more off her return, but oh, yeah. those are things you need to look at. Yeah, you're right because, like you said, I mean Coco Guff, even uh, when she won the U.S. Open last year, I mean she she went inside out to her backhand, which I was like, oh, you don't see that that too much too often, but she did it one time. It was in the middle of the court, and she went around and hit a backhand because she's yeah. so natural on that side. But there's nothing wrong with that because you know you'd rather have somebody exploit her strengths than you know not knowing what to do. Uh, but that's interesting what you're saying because that's something that is really not common, you know, to see and look for the opponent where they recover. They recover wow. after their serve. So everybody listening, guys, if you're out there hitting in a warm-up, look where they recover or the first couple <laughs> games, right? You're right. And even yeah. when you're watching a match on TV, you can see it. You can see if, like, somebody goes right down the middle or somebody yeah. goes off to their backhand side to mm -hmm. look for the forehand like a lot of the guys they're yeah. going to look for their forehand right yeah a lot of the women are going to look for their backhand that's exactly so what that's, i was going to say yeah, because you, you can see right. where you're going to return it and the one the one person that just drove me nuts because she had such a good return and it was so good down the middle deep and I couldn't stand playing her because she just got me every time I played her. And I didn't really get to develop enough before I got hurt to figure out how to beat her was Lindsay Davenport. Mm, I was going to say that, yeah. Because that return was like, he, I, I think she's probably the best returner I've ever faced. And I, I played I mean, a lot of the easily. top women in the, in the 2000s. And she, mm -hmm. for me... Better than Venus and Serena. She bothered me way more. It was so big and, and, and heavy. And the, How and heavy. The depth. Yeah, and the depth of it. And she right. just, when I played her, I didn't bother her at all. I just didn't figure it out yet. But I have to say, that's the one player 
<laughs> I just like, oh You're no, right. I'm in trouble. But I mean, Lindsay was very hard to you know to deal with when you were serving, probably because first she's she's tall. So she's got great reach. So yep. if you serve wide and yep. a little weaker, then she's on it and she has angle and she just whack it. And yep. may, probably you could have served more to the body because she was she did not move yeah. as well as I should have got know? more body serves, but I was I think just so. going like all my favorite out wide spots and <laughs> tea. And I wasn't it was it was early on when I played her in my career. Mm -hmm. So it's what yep. you're saying. I wasn't quite thinking about the opponent as much. Exactly and the point of tonight. I met you, which is the point. Uh, when I, I met you, I started thinking of the opponent more. But mm -hmm. when I played her in the first two years, I was just thinking of my game. Exactly. That's exactly to the point. Because and it's easy to do when you're a new pro on the tour or yeah. when you're a junior or when you're a, a recreational player. It's mm -hmm. very easy just to think about yourself. You're totally right. Plus, whenever you were playing, you had success doing that. So... Why would you change a lot of stuff or why would you start changing your mentality? So it, I totally understand that. But then to get to the next level and the yeah. next one after that, yeah. then, then you, have you have to focus on the opponent because yeah. like an exam, it's cool. You know, it's going to give you the answers, you know, mm -hmm. the, just the study the, the study before your exam is going to give you the answers because yeah. you're well prepared. So there and you that's go. that's what made the, the big three, you could almost say the big four, including Andy Murray. So... Mm -hmm. uh, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Andy Murray, because he was in there for the mix. That's what made them so great was that they had the ability and they had the coaching and they were well established in their brains on the tennis court. And once they figured it out, they started focusing on the opponents, right? And figuring out how to beat them. Exactly. They spent and time. Look, not all the of them started that way. Yeah. They, not even you learn that later on. You yeah. learn that later on. You don't learn you that at first because yeah. the first the first steps of the first years you're playing tennis, you learn how to play within yourself. You know, you yeah. learn you learn more about yourself. So you want to learn yeah. what kind of game style you have, what's your best shots, and improve your weaknesses. And then later on, you're like, okay, I'm playing somebody. Hey, I want to win. So I'm gonna have to take a look at this person. So and then finally, you're like, oh. I'm getting some answers because I'm looking at the other side of the net and they're they're playing short or they're missing a backhand or something. Then they're like, yeah. you're analyzing that. And okay, let's get more balls to the backhand. Let's serve there. Let's rally there. Let's come to exactly. the net to the backhand. So then you got those those solutions there. And but then, uh, yeah, and then you got to think of like what Svitolina did with Goff. Her thing was she focused on that forehand because Goff's backhand was really bother bothering mm -hmm. her. But did she focus too much on it and was trying to go too big and not saying that she still wouldn't have lost, but maybe if she had changed just a little bit, then you have to really think, okay, I'm focusing on my opponent and this is their weakness, but why don't I go after their strength first and then their weakness and mix it up? Andre right? Agassi right there. Agassi said that. and uh, Yeah, that, I love that going after the strengths. Yeah, because if you break down their strength, then they're like, whoops, powerless yep. a little bit, and they're like second guessing everything else. Uh, yep. It's it's a double side, you know, double yeah, side metal. Yeah, that's why tennis is so fun, right? Yeah, because exactly. you get different scenarios every day, right, Oogie? Exactly. Right, well, I loved I loved this segment. Well, we're gonna have to keep this one. Focus on your opponent, yep. right? That's right. Okay, Just that like is 
so cool. Just like well, all I, the NFL action today, you know, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, give give me some action. I was just going to talk about that. Lots of NFL stuff because it's the final games of the regular season. That's right. Yeah, you know, a lot of stuff came down today. And then, uh, yeah, you know, you got all the teams in there. So, the, you know, the Ravens are, are, are having a bye week with, you know, the your, your team, the Niners, what? will be... You know, the they finish first, so they'll have yeah, a... And, and the Ravens are sitting pretty. Yeah. Uh, Dolphins played the Bills tonight. The Chiefs... Uh, are, I don't know if they're going to make the Super Bowl, Oogie. Uh, I think uh, it's Ravens 49ers. Is that possible? Well, it is possible. And then, because they're both, like, first seeds in their conference. So, tonight, I mean, tonight, the AFC, the Ravens will go through, and the Niners on the NFC. But... You know, yeah. the Bills, the Bills won against the Miami, uh, you know, Dolphins tonight. So the Bills are second seed now and the Dolphins are like okay. all the way down to six seed. So, so Bills, you'll have Bills so raise themselves up. Yeah. Later on, you'll have the Buffalo Bills against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You'll have the Kansas City Chiefs against the Miami Dolphins. You have Houston Texans against the Cleveland Browns, which is like what's going on. Those two teams qualified. What happened there? Yep. <laughs> you know, the, the Browns are in. Come on. How long has it been? Huh? I, I love I love it. That's awesome, you know? And then on the other side, you have the Niners. And then you have the Cowboys against the Packers. The Packers qualified, you know, with Jordan Love, their quarterback. You know, they, they won today. So that's that was awesome. And then the Lions will be facing the Rams. That's a huge game right there. And then yep. the Buccaneers qualified. You know, they're qualified. But the Eagles are in, but they're like fifth seed. So that's a big fall down, you know? They, they lost so many games in a row in the last Bradley week. Bradley Cooper must be so bummed. <laughs> but you know what? They're in the qual. They're you know they're in. They're so. still in the mix, right? Okay. And then tomorrow yeah. we have the NCAA championships: Washington versus Michigan. How big is that? The Wolverines are yeah. in. You know? Yeah. Good old Amelia. Michigan. Amelia and all the, the Michigan State is going to be you know cheering tomorrow night yeah, watching and watching the game. Can Canadians are fans of Michigan because you guys oh. are so close together. Exactly. It's right across the border and everybody's yeah. here, you know, in Walmarts and, you know, Targets. We have all those those Michigan yeah. gears going on. So That's a lot of people here. Deal. It's a big sports week. And then guess what, Oogie? We have the Australian Open on Sunday. How exciting is this? This is going to be unbelievable week for us, for sports, yeah. for sports fans. It's going to be unbelievable so this is a great time you even yeah. have the golden globes tonight come on uh, now. well i yeah i was just gonna say the golden globes i just watched them before this podcast oogie lots of fun succession we got the siblings one both hey, one it, it, is your favorite Kevin. movie is your favorite movie barbie won anything yeah barbie won the blockbuster <laughs> look she didn't win anything else but barbie won best blockbuster hey there you um, go you watch succession no Okay, you got to get on that train. The siblings won. Kieran Coakland and um, Sarah Snook. They were uh, Ship Roy and Roman Roy. They were the sparring siblings. They won. At Robert Danny Jr. won for Oppenheimer. Ooh, uh, okay. Killian Murphy won for playing Oppenheimer. He was the main actor. We had um, the Holdovers. I saw that over Christmas. Paul Giamatti won that one. Um, and then the girl that played the cafeteria cook in it, she won, which was cool because it was, you didn't think she was going to win. And then the other show that's popular, the bear, have you heard of the bear? I you, told, you told you a little me, bit. You told me about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So both those actors, the guy and the girl won for that. So they had a big night 
And wow. this other show that I have not watched, hmm. Beef. Have you seen Beef? It's on Netflix. There's actually a show that you don't know about. That's Can that's incredible to me. Yeah, well, I know. No, I, I can't believe I, it. I know about <laughs> it, but I haven't watched it. Beef. So, What's going on with Beef? Beef? Beef apparently won a lot. It's apparently a show where there's like road rage and somebody, a car hits another car and they get a beef. And then it, I don't know. I don't know the whole synopsis. I haven't researched it, but I'm going to go look that up and see why hmm. it kept winning. Yeah, there you go. There's something yeah, there for sure. So, and also Poor Things. Emma Stone won for Poor Things, an indie movie that looks a little odd, but right up my alley. So I'm going to have to check that out, Oogie. <laughs> there you go. It's in your alley, huh? Yeah. But I got to say, okay, we got we got to go back to the football. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Because if we did tennis, we're going to do a little more football. Hey, okay. question so, is, is Taylor Swift going to be in uh, Kansas City for the Miami of beef? Course. Well, she just, she just was at the Golden Globes because her concert was nominated for Best Blockbuster. Sure. Why not? Yeah, why not, right? She draws like so many million people yeah, <laughs> through her shows. She was just at the Golden Globes. So why not would she be next week at the Chiefs game? I hey, would... I would bet on it, Oogie. Oh, for sure. She'll be there. She, I mean, they're going to yeah. play either Saturday or Sunday. So totally it's going to fit perfectly in her. It's going to fit perfectly in her uh, agenda. All right. So we got, we got some Pat McAfee news. He, you Ooh. know who Pat McAfee is, right? Uh, nope. So he's one of, well, he was a really good punter in the NFL. And oh. then he made a show called the Pat McAfee show on YouTube. And okay. it became this huge hit. And Aaron Rodgers would come on his show every week, every Tuesday. And okay. he still comes on his show. But this year, ESPN bought his show. Ooh. So, like, $85 million. Okay, small deal. Paid. Now, wow. I know, and I know not, all at, not all at once, but he has now moved to ESPN, and it's been an interesting adjustment because he's very outspoken. He wears a wife-beater shirt. He has a bunch of guys that are just, like, they look like... Um, guys having a beer on a pickup truck and they talk sports and all the football guys love him. All my kids love him. Now he moved to ESPN and some of my kids stopped watching cause he moved to ESPN cause they're like, they watch on YouTube, which is so interesting. Well, anyway, Aaron Rodgers came out and did this whole thing with Jimmy Kimmel and said he was uh, a Jeffrey Epstein friend he said he was mm -hmm. on a list of friends because aaron Rodgers likes conspiracy theories right and so that was a whole nother ball game because jimmy kimmel's like mr america yeah. <laughs> face of night tv night oh, yeah. tv everybody he's, loves yeah. him mm -hmm. and there's no way he's friends with this crazy jeffrey epstein that was it's crazy dark huh? and sordid right but i guess this epstein had a list of friends that we all would know anyway mm. so kimmel is now fighting back on that so then Pat McAfee comes out like a couple days ago and says he calls the ESPN executive a rat. And he said that this rat leaked his ratings to the New York Post. And only this person would know what the ratings are. And this person happens to be a big executive hmm. at ESPN. And he called him out and he called his name out, Eek. which was I was shocked. So now everybody knows this guy's name. And I don't know what's going on, but this was the best part. On Twitter, or X, I don't really know what to call it anymore. Yeah, as it's I said, X anymore, yeah, yeah. He posted this clip of Al Pacino 
in his role in Scarface. Oh, wow. Okay. That's not going to be pretty for now. (laughs) Yeah. And it was just, it was quite hilarious. And I was taken back because Pat McAfee is going to the mattresses using Godfather. Okay. If we're going Scarface, we got to use a Godfather quote. He's going to the mattresses against whoever he is at ESPN because he's out for the fight. So it's going to be a very interesting thing to see who wins this and what is handled in the next couple weeks. So, Oogie, my quote of the night is, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Me, I always tell the truth, even when I lie. So say goodnight to the bad guy. That's got to be Al Pacino. Of course it is. It's from Scarface. There you go. He won the best actor in a drama motion picture at the Golden Globes in 1983 for that movie. So I have to say, Pat McAvee, you are very on point and in pop culture because the Golden Globes were tonight. And two days ago, you posted this video and I found it quite hilarious and was highly entertained. (laughs) There you go. Well, that is that is a good story. And it's it's right there. I mean, Al Pacino, come on. That's, yeah, that so movie America, was so big. So big, huh? And in America, Pat McAfee is a big deal. So it's going to be interesting in the sports world what happens because we know football is number one. Obviously, yeah. Oogie and I would love tennis to be number one, but football kind of takes over, but that's okay because we love tennis. And this has been a lot of fun, Oogie. Our first day back for the new yep. year, and mm-hmm. we're going right into the Australian Open soon. I am very excited. We're going to have to come up with our picks and who's going to win, who's going to do well, who's going to be a dark horse. We got to discuss all that next week. I'm looking forward to it. For sure. Sunday we'll be ready to, uh, you know, get our predictions in uh, both, you know, the the Aussie Open, male, female, and then NFL. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. And and good luck to the college guys, Washington, Michigan tomorrow. We'll have to wrap up on that. And, Hopefully Nadal will be at home getting rehab and getting ready for the spring. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he needs to do that. And, uh, yeah, he's going to get ready. I'm sure his team and all his, his people is going to be able to do all he can, all they can, you know, to help him get, get healthy 100% for sure. You know, like within a couple of weeks of the clay season, they'll be ready to go. Uh, let's, let's, hope, uh, let's hope that happens. And, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a big game as well tomorrow. You know, you got to yeah, be fired up. You know, good. Michigan and, and Washington. Washington's a huge offense, left-handed quarterback, super talented. And Michigan's got that big defense. It's going to be a huge, a be huge a game. a lot of fun. And we got, some, we got a couple more warm-ups to watch to check in on this week. So that'll be fun. And qualifying at the Australian Open. And I think the draws come out this Thursday. Mm-hmm. So we will um, get our picks ready for everybody. And just remember, Oogie. Say goodnight to the bad guy. (laughs) This has been Serving Aces, and we will see you next time. Yep. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.